Welcome to Best Coast Football. I am back. I am Tim Kelly. That's very vain of me to start talking about myself with me. Two people. You know what? I will let you two decide who gets to introduce themselves first. I'm Cody Peterson. <laughs> back by popular demand, I'm Nate Salinas. Well, Nate, guys, we have we, I, you're, you, you represent the only relevant program in the conference, so we got to have you uh, spread your knowledge. Uh, invitation by necessity only. That's right. No, we uh, we love having you on Mans get your your additive. Um, so uh, we're gonna just go over this week. We're gonna talk about uh, you know do conference awards. Um, talk about the playoff rankings, which came out just a few hours ago, and where Oregon sits in that, and uh, other other thoughts on what the committee decided as of today. And then we'll we'll pick uh, upcoming uh, week nine games. Does that sound like a good plan? Love it. Okay. Love it. Let's start with those Ducks. 52-29 win over Colorado. Nate. I didn't think Colorado would score 10 points. I think I, I think I put the, my personal over under was at eight and a half. Um, obviously this was a lot of garbage time touchdown. I think, I think at least 15 of those points came in the fourth quarter when, when it was over. Um, what, what, what were your, what were your feelings as a, as a duck fan? Were you satisfied? Um, I think definitely a few highlights there. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you never want to make excuses. I think that this is a it's hardly a championship defense at the at the moment, but they did get ahead twenty one to zero, and it was pretty clear that they took the foot off the uh, the gas. I think largely probably for health reasons. Some people kind of started to phase out of the game. Some people that have been banged up, you know, and you kind of started to try and get more bodies in there just to try and get reps and. Colorado kind of feasted on that time. That being said, you really, you probably don't even want this Colorado team feasting on your tubes, right? I mean, so there's, I think there's work, there's work to be done uh, for, for the defense. But I, I also think you could argue that this is about as good as Brown, Anthony Brown had, had played so far this year, save for maybe the Ohio state game. Well, I think you played better in this game, but you know, less stakes, but right. Career high, 307 yards passing, 25 for 31, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Yeah, and really um, not just not all bubble screens, some downfield passing, actually. You know, some efficient downfield passing. So, yeah. Um, played so well that Ty Thompson got in, uh, threw an interception, and then uh, returned from once he came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Mario Cristobal gave a quick glance to the crowd like <laughs> – <laughs> what do you think now <laughs> who's yeah. your daddy <laughs> yeah what'd you guys see uh i mean yeah i think you know you, you wouldn't want to give up 29 points to maybe the most anemic offense in the conference um i i think you have to be happy with the offensive output you you know, Anthony Brown has put together, I think, a couple of really strong games in a row. And that's really we've talked about. I think I think they're going to go as far as he can take them, you know, and, and that's not meant to be much of a slight of him. But uh, I think they have the skill position, guys. I think they have the line. They just need a guy who's going to play point guard and, and get the ball in space to the right guys and make some plays with his legs. And, um, you know, he's been that, you know, he was obviously was that against Ohio State. 
Um, he's had some frustrating moments. So if he can continue to be explosive without turning the ball over, um, I mean, they, they have a chance to run the table. That's what they, they're going to need him to keep playing at a high level to do that because they have some, some tough games still, still ahead. Tim? Yeah, I saw two schools, and I don't want to hijack the conversation, that just aren't recruiting rivals, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You're referring to Jimmy Lake's absurd comments. Absurd? No, yeah, yes, his absurd, ridiculous. But no. um, Well, Colorado's a little more (laughs) academic-minded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Because that matters. And yes, no, no. I mean, you guys both hit the nail on the head. I mean, Brown, this is, I mean, I'd say the best game he's played, right? I mean, yeah. I think Ohio State was more impressive against well, true, much true. better competition. Yeah. I mean, but efficient, his most efficient game. Uh, granted, it's Colorado. Pure stat, pure stat line. Yeah. Definitely the best. I think it's hilarious because you see a game 52 to 29 and you can be like, well, they didn't cover. <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, it was what Nate 45, 14 going into the fourth. Uh, and like you said, 21, nothing, it was never close. Um, the old I think door. just looking at the box score, Kayvon was pretty quiet. So it looks like they limited his reps to keep him healthy. I think he was one of the guys that didn't go in the game much after 21, zero. I think you, Oh, I do want to give the other side of the coin. You got to give Colorado some credit. This was definitely the best that Brendan Lewis uh, has yeah. looked so far. And he's a freshman, so maybe he's getting better. Maybe it's this is an aberration, but maybe he's getting better. Yeah. They and they did not turn the ball over. I've been very critical of Colorado's passing attack, um, giving them goat of the week as a collective bunch. And <laughs> I mean, you can blame a little on Oregon, but there's 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 nothing that opponent can can do to make you go from how they looked at Cal to how they looked this week. So you got to give them some credit. Yeah. yeah, On top of, on top of Brennan Lewis having a a decent game, at least maybe in the second half when things were out of reach. Yeah. The bright, you know, other bright spot was Brennan Rice, five catches for a hundred yards, 102 yards and a touchdown for, for the Buffaloes. And also had, I think 162 uh, kickoff return yards. Unfortunately he had a lot of kickoffs to return, but Mm -hmm. uh uh, was very productive with with those touches. Nate, t- sorry, Tim, I cut you off. Oh no, no, I was just saying I, I'm still amazed at Jarek Broussard. I mean, only getting six carries. Now, granted, you're not going to run the ball, but he wasn't even there. I mean, he was their third most carries, third in yards. I mean, this this guy was offensive player of the year last year, and he's, I mean, in the about the same amount of games he has. I mean, he ran, ran for almost 900 yards. Last year, he's only just over 350 this year. It's just just wild. And honestly, wasn't that effective in his touches? Yeah. So hard to know what's going on there. Yeah. Colorado has terminated the contract of their offensive line coach. Uh, um, I believe they did that last week going into this game. Uh, I mean, I don't see any wins in these guys in the, you know, the rest of the way for them. It's they're They look like they're headed towards two and ten. For the Ducks, you know, they're obviously in the driver's seat. We'll talk about where they are in the playoff uh, run. They still have the top three teams in the North coming up on their schedule, right? They still have to play, you know, UW, WSU, and, and Oregon State. So <laughs> I'm not saying that those are heavyweight title fights, but, you know, they 
there's there's some gotcha games still left as well as they got, they have Utah right so oh definitely and I think I think it's actually being overrated the extent to which Oregon is kind of favorites moving forward and we'll talk about this in in the upcoming games this week but I believe they're only favored by a touchdown maybe six and a half at UW this weekend which yeah. isn't that isn't it's not that much compared to how people are talking about this game so right. Yeah, I mean, especially for you know, a UW team that's, you know, feels like a coin toss whether they're going to crack twenty points, you know, offensively, Easy. right? So, oh wait, but people would have said the same thing about Colorado or worse, right? So yeah. they got they got to twenty, is it nine, twenty nine? So well, and we'll see. And, and also, I mean, you're, that was six and a half before Jimmy's comments, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're going to be fired up now. Um. I'm not sure what Jimmy's strategy is, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on to the team that is, you know, maybe shocking's overstating it. Somewhat surprisingly, very surprisingly, looking like the Ducks' top competition in the North, in my opinion, Washington State Cougars. <laughs> 34-21 road victory over ASU. Um, this was a this was a curb stomping. I mean, ASU is coming off a bye. WSU, you know, kind of got beat. You know, you kind of expect them to have that beat up physical vibe. Uh, first full week without their head coach and full staff. I mean, it just kind of seemed like everything was setting up for ASU to roll. Nate and I both thought ASU would roll. And uh, Cougs made us look pretty foolish. I mean, this was like, I mean, it was back and forth for a bit, but the Cougs, uh, you know, we're pretty in control for you know, the entirety of the second half. You know, last week I wasn't courageous enough to make the pick, but Cody will remember that I, I pointed out some rumblings within ASU's program, some of the recruiting violation things, wondering kind of what, what was going on there, if that was a positive spot or not. And they, they can't, I mean, I think that this game was as much about ASU laying an egg as it was a, not, not to take anything away from WSU, but this game was 28 to zero at home in the second quarter. I mangled it by when I said back and forth, it wasn't back and forth, but let me just, to your point, Nate, let me just read off AS, the result of ASU's first six drives, fumble, fumble, interception, turnover on downs, missed the 32 yard field goal, fumble. That's their first six drives. Uh, they, they were finding ways to lose. I mean, they were getting creative. It, it's it's crazy because you see that, and like you mentioned, it's was this game two without Rolovich? <clears throat> yes. ASU's coming off a bye. I mean, it, after the game, you just see on the you know a website like Twitter, people are putting up the stats like Herm is not better than Todd Graham. I mean, that's that's crazy when you think about like I mean what's what's been happening and and uh also with wazoo granted they're up 28 nothing early but they um they stuck to 27 passes to 42 runs so they were really focused on running the ball granted you're up four scores you're going to run the ball but still i mean it's 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 a team built to run for the run and shoot you know and originally air raid you know a lot of those guys recruited so be interesting if that's going to be a plan going forward or if that's going to be um, just with circumstantial. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I thought ASU had a, had a pretty 
solid defense. I mean, uh, McIntosh and Borgie combined for 135 yards on 28 carries. That's not insane, but yeah. it's, you know, a solid five, five yard per carry clip. Um, yeah. And for, for ASU, like, you know, I mentioned the turnovers. Uh, this wasn't just one guy. I mean, Jaden Daniels had two picks, uh, Nada and Trainum, you know, you know, a couple different backs had, you know, fumbles. Um, you know, when you go back and look at like the, the team stats, they were pretty even on first downs, even on yards. I mean, this is, it's, it's pretty plain and simple, just turnovers that, you know, were the difference uh, in this game. WSU after this game, having notched like five turnovers in this game, uh, they're now tied with Cincinnati and Iowa for turnovers gained on the season. Uh, they've got 20, they've, they've gotten 20 turnovers on as a defense uh, this year. Um, they've got a bye, and then they're headed to Autzen. So, you know, it's pretty crazy to think that that's, you know, where they're sitting. I don't think anyone anticipated. If, if you told Kook fans, this is where they'd be uh, at this point in the season, you know, back in August, they'd be ecstatic. If you, if you oh, told absolutely. them they would, their head coach would not be, you know, on the field with them. And that would be the case. They'd be, incredibly puzzled but also still probably excited you know i keep coming back to this not not to take anything away from the kooks i think it, it's impressive but to me this, this game or this spot it, it's it's more disappointing for asu than it is um exciting or commendable for wsu for me i mean if you're asu you're coming off a bye this is really at the time you're you're tied um for the pac-12 south and this is really your opportunity to kind of stay in that. I mean, this is this was kind of like a do or die game at home off a of bye. You get down 28 to zero. Now you're a full game and a half behind Utah yeah. in the South. I mean, you've really given them a commanding spot. I mean, this is just a total flop in a big spot. Super disappointing if you're ASU. Yeah. And they've got they've got SC next, which is a winnable game. Uh, and then they travel for two consecutive road games up north. They got to go two UW and two Oregon state. So, um, you know, the way they played at home coming off a of bye, you certainly, I mean, they have, you know, a tiny, tiny chance, even if they went out and it, it doesn't feel like they're, that, that doesn't appear to be in the cards the way they're playing. Uh, because no, really you, Daniel, has... I think Daniel's especially, sorry, go ahead. No, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you, I mean, Utah has Stanford, uh, Arizona and Colorado left on their schedule. And you have to figure to be at least a touchdown favorite in all three of those games. Yeah. And I mean, that, Utah has, they've taken care of their competition in the South. So, yeah. you know, they're, they, you know, they still have to win the games, but they're, mm -hmm. they're sitting really pretty. I mean, I think the FPI percentage is in the 90s in terms of their chances in the South. So, I mean, it, this was, this was a devastating blow for ASU. Hurry uh, be uh, renting not owning i don't know about that but i i mean i guess when you combine that with this kind of recruiting scandal i mean if yeah if the wheels if the wheels fall off with a couple more losses and then you know any kind of indications from the nca look grim i could see you know i could see them making a move i think it probably be, i still think it'd be more due to potential recruiting issues yeah. like violation issues than wins and losses but i guess we're jumping the shark on a or getting ahead of on the category um anything else on this one guys no 
Calvin Jackson All right. Jr. eight catches, 139 yards, and a, uh, a tutty, as they say. Yeah, he's 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 a really smooth player. He's he's fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Uh, another surprising result: Cal 39, Oregon State 25. Uh, it's it's pretty much the same story. It's maybe a little less dramatic in terms, but I mean, Oregon State turned it over three times. Cal didn't turn it over at all. Cal wins by two scores. That's a bit reductive. There's a lot more that happened in this game, but I mean, that, that's to me the pretty obvious difference here on the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, oh, go ahead, Tim. Just Oregon State not running the ball well either. I mean, granted, when you turn it over and you're behind, you're not going to run as much, but I mean, Baylor 13 carries 42 yards. I mean, usually it feels like by the time he's got 13 carries, he's pushing close to a hundred at that point. And, and he, he fumbled the ball away on the bees first play from scrimmage, yeah. which is another big blow there. And yeah, Cal, Cal did a really nice job of limiting Oregon state's run. I mean, that's, they're, they're not a special team if they're not uh, moving the ball on the ground. Right. Uh you know, Cody and I talked before the game last week, and I kind of said, I feel like this was the, are they for real or not? Yeah. I think Oregon State game, and, you know, I they got beat convincingly, you know, and, and uh, by a team that I think is improving. I think Cal's improving the last, I think playing Oregon close at Oregon and then beating up on Colorado and then really kind of handling Oregon State at home. So Cal's improving, but if you want to be a serious contender, I think you have to win this game. And so to take nothing away, I mean, Oregon state five and three, is still a good season, but I feel like this was their chance to prove themselves a contender. And it's, it just came up knowing like Tim said, BJ Baylor, their workhorse 13 for 42. It's not going to get it down on the road. So, especially when you can't get stops. To your point, they've all three of their losses have come on the road. Um, You know, they've got Colorado this week. Um, and, and their only road game after going to Colorado is, you know, only what 40 miles from home in Eugene. But um, so maybe that's good news. Uh, but which, by know. the way, how big of an indictment is that on USC? <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Getting slammed at yeah. home by the team that can't win on the road. <laughs> not, you know, it's funny. We, talk, we were talking about how, which team is Jekyll and Hyde. And I, it feels like it, there's like, five or six teams in the Pac-12 that you could give that moniker at this point, just based on how inconsistent some of these teams are. Oh, for sure. I mean, US, like USC is not a team that if I was an Oregon fan and it was one game to get into the national championship or sorry, into the playoff, which we'll, we'll get to that. USC is not a team I'd want to see. You know, it's like you could beat them by six touchdowns or they could beat you, you know, <laughs> I just don't really know. So. Yeah. Uh, nice game for Garbers, uh, you know, I think Nate, you said last week, look, you know, obviously playing Colorado that it looked like, you know, maybe his best game you see him put together. Uh, he might've even been even better this week. He was 17 for 26 for 262, three touchdowns, no turnovers, 57 yards on the ground and another rushing TD um, that he might've one up himself there. Uh, 80, the new, 88, you know, on the QBR, the ESPN QBR stat, which is no joke. So he played good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just a huge letdown for Oregon state. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they've got, you know, they're kind of, I would say their, their situation isn't as dire as ASU, but they've, you know, 
now have no margin for error, right? They, they basically need to win out uh, in all likelihood. Okay, next game, nail biter in the, in the Coliseum, uh, USC 41, Arizona 34. Um, man, this is just a really sad game. I mean, uh, we, we can talk about other stuff, but the best player on the field got carted off in an air cast. Um, so just really sad for, for Drake London. Um, you know, he's, he's been doing yeoman's work, <laughs> racking up stats for a mediocre team. Uh, Tim's, Tim's called him the, giving him the, the slur of a compiler, but, uh, you know, he, I was, I was watching this game in the first quarter, you know, this team is done in the conference race. They're playing the, the worst team in the conference and, USC was running the ball from like the one or two yard line. Drake London went and blocked this guy into the back of the end zone. I mean, he was giving his all for a throwaway play when, yeah. you know, lots of guys would just give a forearm shiver and then just walk away. Um, so for him, you know, he, he, I think in a, a quarter and a half, he had 90 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Uh, but unfortunately that, that final score uh, got rolled up uh, fractured ankle Um done for the year there's a lot there's lots of other guys on the field maybe it's being uh disrespectful to all those other guys but man just just a sad story um, is that the last US, US, usc's what? offense oh yeah he's i mean he's you know help i would say before this injury he's yeah. he's a he's a day one probably yeah. it, at worst a, a early second round pick yeah. in my mind so um you know, just hope he gets healthy in time for some pre-draft work. Um, but, you know, I, I don't remember what the spread was on this. You know, Arizona was kicking an onside kick with a minute and a half to go trying to get back in this game. I mean, it was kind of big, uh, big lead for SC early. The thing that's really scary you know, with London going out, uh, they were up, SC was up 28-7 when Drake London got hurt, uh, which means after he left, they, they lost the rest of the game 24-13 to Arizona. Uh, they only scored six points against Arizona in the second half. Um, so you got to be really concerned about USC's ability. I mean, their defense is not good. They gave up 34 points to Arizona. Got to be concerned about their ability to actually, like, keep pace with their teams down the stretch. It's It, it might get ugly here. So I've been talking for a while. What did you guys see in this one? Yeah, I think you'd be – Drake London has to be pointed. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to pull up some stats here off, off the, um, just off the cuff on my, um, you know, on my, on my phone, but I mean, he, he was heading for some potential record-breaking type stuff, single season type stuff. I mean, you know, 88 catches over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns with four and a half games because he went down what the second quarter was it? It was with a bowl game. You know, if they'd been able to make a bowl game, I think he was, I mean, well on pace for the all-time receptions, you know, lead for a season, mm -hmm. probably yardage as well, um, which, you know, USC does not, has not had a shortage of great wide receivers in their history, so that would have been pretty special. Um, maybe the other thing to talk about is SC toying around with, with Jackson Dart, finally back, you know, from his, um, you know, surgery recovery. Um put him in for several series uh, and, and it wasn't just garbage time. I mean, they put him in 
uh, you know, it was only, I think a two score game and they, they put him in with SC, you know, starting on their own four yard line. Like it was not an optimal situation, obviously for a freshman quarterback. I think they also had him in with six minutes to go in the game. And he, you know, led them on a field goal drive uh, to put him up 10. So, you know, t- word on the street is supposedly the quarterbacks were told the Friday on Friday night before the game, um, which is kind of odd to, to not give them a heads up in advance. They both were, they were both surprised. Um, it seems like Dante's, you know, going to maybe slowly ratchet up Mr. Dart's uh, minutes is, is the way it feels to me. Cause this was not, this was not garbage time for the freshman. So. I don't understand what the toying around is about. It seems like he's the, the better player right now. And even if it's close, I, I think you're, you're playing for next year in the future. I mean, Dante is probably hoping to retain his job with the next coach. Would you imagine that, you know, with this contract and so he's got to care about the future. I don't, I don't, I, I understand you got to win now for the guys in the locker room, but I, I, I think it's borderline inarguable that he's the better player now let alone the future. So I, I guess I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, Slovis had another one of his um, kind of signature bad picks where he just stared, stared down a wide receiver um, and, and threw a pick six. Um, so, I mean, you know, not that Jackson darts, you know, not going to make mistakes. I just think he's, he's just brings a little more juice to the offense and distributes the ball a little bit better. Um, he's just a little more fun to watch. And I mean, at this point, that's kind of what USC needs is just to be, uh, just to have a spark. Cause I mean, Keaton's, you know, this, that isn't fair for, to slow us. I mean, he's, he's been a, a, a decent, uh, to good quarterback for SC, but I agree with you, Nate. I mean, I think I just, just, just eyeball test. I mean, Dart seems more like the guy he's, he looks like, it looks like Keaton Slovis looked his freshman year before some combination of Clay Helton and Graham Harrell just like melted his mind. I don't know. <laughs> I think Dart appears more athletic to me. He appears to get the ball out a little bit quicker. He seems like he has a slightly bigger arm. You know, this is, I'm not trying to bag on Slovis, but I think there's a higher upside there. And I, I think you got to ride that. So, yeah. Tim, any thoughts on this one? Uh, you know, I did not uh, watch much of this. Um, That's fair. Yeah. I no, mean, uh, I, I, the other big thing is just how bad SC's defense is. Will Plummer, we've talked about his skills as a player. Will Plummer scored a, a touchdown run on a third and goal from the 18-yard line, guys. He ran it in. <laughs> so, I mean, just just bad pursuit, bad tackling. Uh so yeah, that's not Michael Vick. Look at look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look looking forward to SC. I mean, the games left on the schedule: ASU, Cal, UCLA, BYU. I could see him go. I, I can't see him going undefeated. You know, running that table. Um, you know, they're four and four, and you're just like, where are the wins going to come? I mean, you know, maybe they can beat Cal and UCLA and just barely get eligible. But it's 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 going to be a it's going to be a tight tight wire act the rest of the way so okay which which of the two remaining games excited you the least i think we gotta i think we gotta save the uh 
you know, Pac-12 after dark for the end. Um, well, they're both Pac-12 after dark, yeah. That's true. That's true. I guess mm, let's talk Utah. Um, you know, I think clearly, you know, has a stranglehold on the South at this point after this win. Um, you know, they've beaten SC, they've beaten UCLA, they've beaten ASU. Um, so they've got the head-to-head as well as a, a you know, single game or multi-game lead on all the other teams in the South. Um, you know, I think if you told me that DTR was going to sit this game, uh, I would I would have expected a result just, just the way, you know, it happened. I mean, I sent you guys a thing where John Wilner seemed to think that Ethan Garbers looked great. He, he just said, like, Ethan Garbers is a player, that's for sure, or something like that. I, that's I Husky, did not. Husky legend, Ethan Garbers. I didn't think he looked great, but I also don't think he's the main problem. I, at the end of the day, this these Chip Kelly-led Bruins, he's four years in. He's still rolling with J- Jerry Azanaro at defensive coordinator position and they gave up 44 points and they essentially couldn't get any stops outside of I was there one like turnover and downs maybe did did Utah punt at all I, I'm trying to look right now well and, and um, yes they had point. or yeah actually Cam Rising punted both times oh yeah but, yeah yeah the, uh... but I I and then I saw some stats sorry Tim not to cut you oh, off yeah, I finished yeah, no. this one point I saw the, I saw a tweet that went out that said Jerry Azanaro is the only coordinator in the Pac-12 that has not been available for any sort of media time so far this year. <laughs> and for whatever reason, it seems like Chip is going to ride Azanaro down to his demise. So, and I, sorry, Tim, go ahead. Oh, no, no. And, and, and just off that, I mean, again, you, I understand you're down 28-10 at half, but you have two good running backs. And they only run 21 times. You know, and uh, to your point, I mean, the game wasn't even over yet. And it seemed the LA Times had a column already calling for uh, Uncle Chip's head. And, you know, that Plasky or somebody else? Uh, I, I think it was, was it Plasky? I think it was somebody else. I mean, but, you know, I mean, the, the main sentiment online is the coordinator guy doesn't mix anything up. And like you said, Nate, they're going to ride him right into the ground. And the thing is, if he was a recruiter and there was talent in the pipe, maybe you you allow him to make one change and you give him one more shot. But the big thing with Chip is he he hasn't done any recruiting, right? So DTR is going to leave. Maybe Charbonnet c- comes back. I'm not sure. He he might be an NFL guy. We'll see. If he's gone, like what 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 do they have? Yeah. You know, like Kyle Phillips is gone, right? I think he's is he done? Is he back for one more year? It's, yeah, I think he's it, gone too. Yeah, the cover is going to get pretty bare. This was their year, so if he goes five hundred, I I don't I don't know how you bring him back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've gone up. You know, UCLA. They've gone up against the top two teams in the Pac-12 the last two weeks against you know Oregon and Utah. Zero uh, and two. I mean, obviously with DTR being out, it's it's not a perfect measuring stick, but you know that's a decent measuring stick for year four, if you will. It's like, okay, here's, here's, you know, the top teams in the conference. Um, you know, they played, they played Oregon tough last week. Um, and then just got their doors blown off. Um, you know, and, you know, you know, I, I don't think 
I don't think the aw shucks that was our backup quarterback is a valid excuse anymore in, in college football. You got to have a, another guy ready to go. Um, and this guy, uh, you know, he, I don't think he has the wheels that the, a guy in Chip Kelly's offense seems to need to have. You know, I, I don't think the ground game, I think the ground game works a lot better with a guy that that's a legitimate, you know, uh, on those kind of mesh handoffs is actually a legitimate threat to the defensive end that he might be the one to keep it right. And at the end of the day, you, you just can't expect a guy like that to go in and score 45 points in Salt Lake city. I mean, let me, yeah. let me read off the touchdown drives the, the the length. It's not like they were screwing up and turning the ball over. This, this is a touchdown drives for Utah, 75 yards, 75 yards, 75 yards, 17 yards. Um, 75 yards, 58 yards. So they were legitimately driving the length of the field on UCLA's defense pretty yeah. much every single possession. And yeah, so it's, Tav- at some point, Beyond, it's like, yeah. Tavion Thomas finished with 160 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Um, Cam Rising was just okay, but he didn't have to be great in this one because they were able to run the ball so effectively. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, not – you know, the, the defense doesn't um, doesn't look great. I mean, for they, – they still have a chance to – UCLA still has a chance to get to eight and four. I mean, their remaining games, they've got Colorado, Cal, SC. Um, so, I mean, you know, if, if they could, you know, close out the season with three wins, do you think that's enough for Chip or do you think it's done? No, I think that's enough. But I, I think his job might, I think his job might teeter on that SC game. I mean, you have to figure that they're going to beat Colorado in Cal at home. But even if they get those two and they lose that SC game, he drops to what sub five hundred against his rival, and another seven and five season with what's supposed to be his his best team. I think, I think that's I think that's toasty. I think he's done. I mean. You know, if if DTR isn't healthy, I'm not sure that that Cal game is a lock either. You know, um, I guess we'll see. It's a good point. I was assuming you know in three weeks he'd be back by then, but who knows, right? Yeah. Okay. Should we talk about the barn burner, Tim? Oh, yeah. Time for you to take the lead, man. Yeah. Well, University of Was- University of Washington twenty, Stanford thirteen. <laughs> a terrible game. I watched the whole thing. I was so bad. I started coughing before I even talked about it. Um, yeah, I don't know why anyone would have watched this game unless you were a fan of Washington or Stanford. Um, okay, enough about that. Um, they UW's offense is horrendous, and I mean, I know we were talking earlier about Colorado scoring twenty nine points uh, against Oregon, but. Uh, I don't know how Washington can even crack 29 points against, against anybody. Um, four field goals from uh, Peyton Henry. And that, that's all they, that was all their drives until the last 20 seconds when uh, Morris finally threw a long pass that was caught and McMillan waltzed into the end zone or he was in the end zone when he caught it and uh 
yeah, 20 to 13 with 21 seconds left. It was 18, 13. They went for two and got it. But uh, Washington could run the ball. Their defense is solid, but uh, the, I mean, they, they forced uh, McKee to make, I mean, they sacked him three times. He fumbled, he threw two picks. I mean, it's a good defense, but they've also played a lot of bad offenses. Yeah. And, you know, I, I sent you that link, Tim, but like, you know, the run defense has been, I think mediocre would be a kind description to how they've looked. I think they just, you know, this was a good matchup for them because yeah. Stanford is not a good running team. Um, you know, Stanford just really just wants, they just, they just want to do enough, you know, to, to buy Tanner McKee time to make, make some plays with his arm. I think he's a really gifted quarterback, but they just don't have the running game and don't have the, the wide receivers to be explosive. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, again, uh, again, another, another team that managed to be very explosive against SC in the Coliseum, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this, this was kind of just a tailor-made opponent, I think for the Huskies, especially yeah. for the Huskies defense. Uh, I, yeah, I just, you know, we talked about how we've seen enough from Keaton Slovis. I, I think I've definitely seen enough of Dylan Morris. Oh. Um, but, but I guess, you know, maybe the, the freshman just, you know, maybe you were just not ready to go. I don't know. Nate, Nate what did you, uh, did you enjoy this uh, classic I didn't, matchup? I didn't catch much of this, but I would say what, what I saw, I think David Shaw is one of those guys. He has, um, I think, a, a generally like positive coaching reputation, but there's some questionable stuff that he does at times. I think, I think you got to kind of question the way he managed the game at the end, you know? Um, yep. I think ultimately you have to give UW credit for, for capitalizing on kind of what happened. They hung around, you know, like they didn't, neither team played great. Um, they, they made their field goals when they needed to, to give themselves a chance to win at the end. And then and they, they capitalized, which is kind of what they did against Arizona last week. So at the end of the day, it'll, you know, wins a win. Um, yeah, it's hard to say, right? When you're when you're watching a game, it's like, are you, are you watching good defense? Are you watching bad offense? Like, how do you delineate between the two? It's 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 not always easy to say. But I guess you give the defenses a little credit in this game, and and then I think just give Washington credit for hanging around long enough to, to take advantage of the chances. But I don't know if I, mean, I have much to add. Silly. It might be silly to say the Huskies technically control their own fate. They still have they still have the Cougs and the Ducks on yeah. the schedule. Um, no, that's what the that that's what people were saying after the game. It's, I think that's maybe um, that is glass. You know, that's glass. glass way full. Well, way yeah, glass very much full. But um, man, I, for Stanford, you know, it, this is. You know, the season's obviously in the in the tank at this point. Um, I mentioned Tanner McKee. I mean, I, I just think he's unfortunately a really talented guy on a on a not very talented team this year. Um, but maybe I'm just maybe I'm just enamored with the tools. But um, I, I will say one thing going on what Nate was saying about Shaw. <clears throat> Pretty crazy when you look at his career. It's ninety three and forty one. 64 and 28 in conference three uh conference titles another two division titles but granted last year was a i think you look at you look at the 
where that has fallen on the timeline, though. Well, and, and the and last three years. Yes, he went the last full year. He went four and eight, three and six. This year, he's three and five, two and four in conference. This is only the third time he's had four losses in conference. So you know, post and, post Christian McCaffrey, it has not been pretty. Yes, yes. Okay. To your guys' point, though, real quick, I want to say not just UW, but actually the top four teams in the Pac-12 North all control their own destiny. Oregon, Washington State, Oregon State, and Washington State, if, if they win out, would, right. would technically be the conference champion. Yeah. So kind of yeah, kind of yeah. interesting stuff in that regard. Well, and I think, you know, if, if we look, um, you know, we'll talk about this week's games. Um, you know, only only one of those, you know, there's there's one of those face-off games this week, but so it's sort of like there will continue to be meaningful games in the North, I think, you know, for the remainder of the season, which will be fun. Um, let, let's do hot seat rankings. I think, uh, Nate, why don't you why don't you go one, two, three, and then Tim and I can chip away at you if we, we haven't, so, you know, we want to argue on someone. Yeah, so three being hot but least hot. <laughs> yeah, sure. In that way. Um, I guess we'll, we'll go with Wilcox. I think he's safe. I think they've been good enough the last couple. I don't know if the money's there. I'm not sure where his contract is, but I, I put probably, um, well, we'll maybe Wilcox at, at three in that regard. Um, you know, I, two, I guess for, for me, it's, it feels hard to say. I, I, I think Lake is safe. You know, it's, I think just given the timeline, different things, I, I think though there'll be a chance he's, he's going to be forced, his hand's going to be forced to change the offensive coordinator, but I think he's safe. So I guess, too, I would put Herman Edwards just because I don't know what's going to come, what, how their season's going to end and what's going to come of the recruiting stuff and his age and kind of the timeline down there. And then one, I, 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 think, I think my boy Chip is uh, on the hottest seat in, in the Pac-12. Um, right now frankly I, I think he needs to win out to save his job he's in year four he only had a five-year contract i think his buyout's probably pretty low if they wait until the season's over and um yeah i, I mean that, that's where i'm at you guys yeah I, I agree with you maybe with with wilcox cooling off i mean he's had you know a couple big wins in a row i think this this was a huge win this past week over oregon state and like we talked about, you know, the last three games are um, Arizona, SC, Stanford. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to run the table, but I could easily see them taking two of those three. So, um, you know, I think I think they're they're going to finish the year with you know some positive momentum. Um, yeah, it's it's I just haven't maybe totally wrapped my head around Chip being, you know, on the hot seat, but I think. Maybe that's just, um, yeah. I, I just I've I've been thinking about him having such a long leash from them, uh, but I think you're right. I mean, it's it's year four, and where's where's the where's the trajectory? Yeah, okay. I uh, Tim, I have Chip and Herm at one and two. Um, Chip being one, uh, yeah. It's it's interesting the. I, I think for all intents and purposes, Lake is safe, but um, 
Do you think he should be safe, Tim? Like if 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 you're if you're the athletic director today, have you seen enough good things that you have reason for hope, or are you just feel like, well, I just don't have, you know, I'm like a prosecuting attorney. I don't have a smoking gun, and I just I you know, I don't want to you know have a uh, a program that seems to be in turmoil, you know, turning over coaches. Well, Husky fans will tell you. I'm not asking for Husky fans' opinion. I'm asking for your opinion. No, no, no. And I, I, I am, I am Huskies fans. Um, <laughs> it hasn't worked out when you've given someone an extra year. You know, New Heisel left. They gave Gilbertson. He came in. He went six and six. Lost to Nevada at Husky Stadium. Everybody's like, "What the heck?" They're like, oh, well, he was six and six. We'll give him a year. Proceeds to go one and ten. Well, SC, we like to give coaches three extra years. Just well, yeah, and, and, and you saw the same thing happen with Willingham. They were like, they fired him after the after they lost to Hawaii to finish four and nine. There was some threats of legal action. Uh, this is all in a in a book, by the way. Don't, I'm not just making things up. And then they brought him back, and then he proceeded to run the table in reverse. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, the reason I would get rid of Lake is he was given a good program and he's supposedly an ace recruiter and the two things that he's good at. I mean, the defense is playing well, but he's just been ill-prepared on things. I mean, Donovan as offensive coordinator, the guy was fired at Penn State. He was not a good offensive coordinator. He was running back coach for the Jaguars. And you look to – the school, what, three hours? Well, no, that's three hours from us. What is it? Five hours south of Seattle in Eugene. And they're like, we have an offensive coordinator. And UW's like, we have an offensive coordinator too. Well, we'll take the one that was successful at Penn State. We'll take the one that was terrible at Penn State. You know, I mean, Washington's playing checkers with that stuff. Well, Oregon- well Washington has tough for admissions, you know, for offensive coordinators. Well, yeah, apparently. <laughs> Well, that's one of the things with with Lake for me, and I, I know nobody wants to hear like an Oregon fan opine on this, but like being as unbiased as possible, he's just some of the things he's saying and the way he's kind of comporting himself is not producing a, a ton of extra confidence. There was some things made of, of how often he likes to go swing the swing the sticks out on the golf course, you know, and yeah. maybe beefing up his handicap the summer only to start the season, you know, pretty slow. And then he's asked about recruiting and it's like, Oh man, it's just, I don't know. It's just not a good look. You know, it's just some of the, some of the, the things he's, he's just not really showing, I guess the leadership chops that you, I think would hope for. In, in a spot like that, even in spots that are, that are tough, that maybe there's no good answer. It's like, Ooh, even in a spot where there aren't good answers, that was a bad answer. Yeah. You know? I mean, when, when you get asked about recruiting and it's not going well, there's not a lot you can say. You can't mention guys by name. Uh, you don't want to be talking down about the guys you do have. You know, you don't really want to acknowledge that things aren't going well because it's kind of a slight on the guys that are already signed. Um, you know, nothing, but you have to, but to your point, Nate, the, the way he chose to kind of throw out some false bravado this week, instead of, instead of just, you know, I think maybe the Chris Peterson approach would have been talking about OKGs and 
like we're not we're not following recruiting rankings you know we're looking for our guys i mean i think there's a way to do that in a way that comes off as much more endearing um and, and you know isn't just you know and also doesn't use the phrase academical academical <laughs> prowess or something and uh, make you sound uh yeah dumber than you're trying to say that's your point i think i think the things that you're mentioning now to beat this point that is like program building right it's being ready to when there's not a good thing you you say the thing that like builds your gut the okg that sort of thing it's like it's an opportunity to to spin and to build even if it's not you know like the the perfect moment and i i just haven't seen shouldn't be caught off guard shouldn't be caught off guard by the question right no yeah and then he's, he's fumbling he looks defensive it's just not a good look yeah. Hey, and I would say this, the biggest question is, uh, Nate, would you, would you like, uh, Jimmy Lake to be Washington coach for a long time? Listen, I don't think the book is written on him, but <laughs> right now he looks like the perfect person. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so when you, and that is what exactly why he should be fired. And listen, he's a great, he's, he's a, he's a great coach. It's one of those things that like, if, if you said that they were going to retain him as defensive coordinator, like I'd be like, Oh no. Cause like, you know, he, 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 yeah. But I think it's, yeah, as the head person, he just, it doesn't look like a fit right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's uh, return to positivity. Let's give out our, our uh, weekly conference awards. Um, Nate, we'll just, we'll just kind of bounce around on this. Nate, who you have for offensive player of the week? Yeah, he got uh, mentioned as we as we went through the games, but I, I I felt like the biggest game of the week was Utah's win over UCLA. Really, uh, you know, along with ASU's loss and beating UCLA, really kind of cemented their spot in the South, barring a collapse. And so I, I give it to Tavion Thomas, who uh, carried for 160 yards and a touchdown. He was going for six or seven yards a clip, and he kind of felt like the he was the meat and potatoes of their offense on Saturday in, in the big. Unlike tra- unlike Travis Dye, he he likes to also run. You know, not in the red zone. That's right. Yeah. He carried it all over the place. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, it's it, I feel bad for Anthony Brown because he had, you know, one of his better games. Uh, has an asterisk because of the opposition. Chase Garbers had another nice game, and then I gotta gotta throw out one one last honorable mention for for Drake London. Uh, you know, nine catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns, and like I said, like a quarter and a half of work. So uh, best of luck to him. Tim, any other names? No, it's, it's just Thomas. I mean, yep. Yeah. I think I think Nate had it right. All right we got to give credit there for Cody pouring a little liquor out for his homie right there. Yeah, there <laughs> <laughs> Defensive player of the week, Tim, who you got? Um, the non-Oregon Sewell. Uh, Nephi, that's right. Nephi, yeah, say thank Nephi. you. I was, I, I was yeah. going to butcher the name. As you know, when I'm about to butcher a name, I don't say their, I say whatever name I can pronounce. <laughs> Nephi Sewell, 14 tackles, a tackle for a loss, an interception. I mean, that's that's a game. Uh, I have, I have no, uh, I have several other names written down here, but I, he was at the top of my list as well. Nate, well, I actually am trying to endear myself to UW fans here on the pod. I want my opinion to be taken seriously by those folks. And so I actually, in what we're positively terming a defensive slug fest, I had uh, Carson Bruner from, from UW who. Uh, in his first a, ever start. First ever start. 
uh, was it 15? Let me uh, pull it up because I didn't write it down. Uh, yeah, 15 but, tackles, one sack, and a tackle for loss. Yeah, and and in what was a defensive slugfest, he was the defender of the week. His father right. from Aberdeen, Washington. Wow. Weatherwax High School. Uh, you know, hotly contested category every – I, can we give the special teams player of the week to Peyton Henry going hey, four for four? Is there anybody else? Despite only, despite having a long of only 37. And listen, I'm going to, not only did he win it, but I think you got to, you have to look at the context, right? The, the preacher on the pod, you, you always got to talk about the con, the context here. Henry knows his offense stinks, right? If he misses yeah. these kicks, they, they could lose. So he, every kick is important because you're not going to get that many chances. And so you have to think about that added pressure. You pop in four for four. I, I think I think he's the player of the week. All right. Coach of the week, uh, Nate, who, who's your pick? Yeah, co- co- coach of the week was – I hadn't given it to this person again, but, you know, I, I called him uh, – I called it the biggest win of the week. Uh, I don't think UCLA showed up maybe fully manned, if you will, but I think you got to give it to Whittingham. He had the offense ready. They they played well. They took it to UCLA and and uh, they they you know they didn't r- wrap up the South, but they put a commanding lead in the South. I got to give it to Whittingham. Tim, you have any uh, contrary thoughts? Well, I mean, we could look at uh, our buddy in Pullman, Mister Dickert. That's, um, that's a good point. You know, I, I mean, that, that's who I wrote down. I mean, yeah. he's, he's also, he's also the defensive coordinator. They got all those turnovers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're coming off a tough loss. I, I think maybe this is, you know, jumping the gun, but my, my asterisk on that or my hesitation in naming him is, you know, his, his counterpart on the other sideline I've got for goat of the week. <laughs> I think I think Herm Edwards needs to have a long look in the mirror after this one. Um, but that, that's my thought. Any any other thoughts on go to the week for y'all? I had Herm. I mean, I mean, at home, coming off a bye, fifteen point favorites, and they just get their clocks clean. I'm known for and it's all self. A, it's all self inflicted for picking a unit rather than a person. And so for me, it was specifically the ASU offense turned the ball over five times at home <laughs> coming off. Of, uh, you know, it's pretty bad. I, I don't think anybody would have uh, labeled WSU as, uh, as you know, the steel curtain either. So, I mean, it's just, it's pretty pathetic. Okay. Uh, best moment of the week. This can be either big play, crazy play, something silly. Um, you know, I think as bad as the game was, I think Husky scoring a touchdown with 20 seconds left to conceal the win was at least somewhat cathartic into an otherwise frustrating game. Um, I don't know, you guys, do you guys jot anything else down? I don't have anything no? out, does that? Um, no, that, that, I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, besides... Yeah, I can't other than other than listening to Petros Papadakis oh. do do the play call all night. Oh. I mean, on you know Halloween weekend, and you have like a you know the human equivalent of a Muppet in terms of his both his appearance and his voice. <laughs> you know, so that he's just a joy. He's a he's a treasure. 
Okay. Cal had a, I'll say this. Cal had a one-play touchdown that really gave them space from Oregon State in the second half. They took a punt back with a, with a decent uh, – with a, with a decent – I'm sorry, it was a blocked punt. It was a partially right. blocked punt. And right. then it was, a, you know, a, a Garber's touchdown to Trevon Clark, a 38-yard TD. Huge momentum play. You know, you go block punt, 38-yard TD, get the two-score lead in the second half, and they kind of – they barely looked back from that point forward, so – all 2,300 fans on hand just were ecstatic. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, t- Nate, I think you're the, you know, you're the des- deciding vote here. Is is Tim, are we ending his suspension on NFL Player of the Week? Let's Can he him. be trusted to Let's nominate a player? Tim, well, there were a lot of great Washington been, Huskies this week in the NFL. Shaq Thompson showed up. <laughs> Ten tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a pick in the Panthers' huge defensive win over the Atlanta Falcons. But I didn't go with him. Elijah Molden, Husky legend as well, (laughs) pick six on a screen pass, went two yards to the end zone because Carson Wentz is terrible, in a monumental win for my Tennessee Titans. I'm a huge Titans fan. Now, we won't talk NFL, but Derrick Henry's on IR. We don't know. that They could screw up my Super Bowl pick. But – I went with Jordan Poyer from the Oregon State University in a big victory over the hapless Miami Dolphins. He had 10 tackles, tackle for a loss, and an interception. I had Poyer as well. <clears throat> so despite you you know, wedging in a couple of Huskies as a parenthetical there before you named your actual winner, uh, I think you technically uh, met the constraints that you know you were tasked with got to find the way to talk about some of my favorite players of all time i'll do it if cody won't you got to give uh trojans a a little nod here they had two players with with multi-score weeks robert woods had two touchdowns so did so did Pittman. um so you got to give them a, a little credit but I, I i don't think it would be wrong to give it to to molden i think the pick six that really uh i think uh, you know the, the pick six that that i mean it was a huge play Right. You know, for I don't know that he was the player of the week, but he might have made the 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 deciding play of the week for a Pac-12 player. And you, and you know, how often have you seen a, a screen screens getting intercepted like that doesn't happen much. And then just right there by the end zone. It's pretty amazing. I mean, a pick six that goes two yards and it's a cornerback, you know, wow. I agree. It's, it's election day. Nate, Nate's out here kissing Husky babies and trying yeah. to garner support. Well, he, just Good knows, job, man. he just knows of the, uh, he just knows how sad I'm going to be on Saturday. I mean, he's, well, he's, just in the event, something goes really wrong on Saturday. I just, I've got to reappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, a couple things left to talk about. Uh, I think we've got to talk about, you know, the playoff, uh, the, the playoff committee released their rankings tonight. Um, maybe I'll just just quickly, you know, top to bottom. Uh, Georgia, one. Alabama, two. Michigan State, three. Oregon, four. Ohio State, five. Cincinnati, six. Uh, I guess I'll keep going here. But so Michigan, seven. And then kind of, you know, I think somewhat surprisingly, nine and Oklahoma all the way down at eight. Uh, rounding out the top 10, Wake Forest and Notre Dame. I, there's no, no point in mentioning beyond that. I believe there's only two teams in the history of 
you know, this, the six years of the playoff that have ever come from outside that initial top 10 doesn't seem like it'll happen this year. Uh, you know, let's start that. I don't think anyone debates Georgia at top Alabama at two guys. Are you serious? Go ahead, Tim. I mean, you're just, I mean, you're going on, uh, you're going on what you, what, what your reputation is at that point. I, I just, I don't, I mean, to me, uh, I think, I think Alabama at two and Cincinnati at six is just a pretty grave injustice. I feel bad for, for the Bearcats. I mean, they, they have no chance. I mean, for anyone hoping to hire Luke Fickle, this is good news because clearly, you know, he's never, you know, until they move into the Big 12 in like four years, they clearly but, have no chance. But don't they just do this to have these exact conversations? I mean, isn't that part of it? You got to make it. They they definitely don't. They definitely don't put mid, you know, you know, non-power five teams. No, but I mean, they definitely don't. Those, those, those teams don't move north as the season progresses, Tim. It's, like, it's if very, anything, those those guys have gotten leapfrogged in the latter half of the season in the past. Nate, what were you saying? Sorry. No, I'm just saying it's very clear that like there there wasn't like a you know at first you'd like to say oh well, a lot of it has to do with kind of uh, you know brand and prestige if you will, but it's like ah oh, then why are they dropping OU down to eight right? So that doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know there's things I think about here like look even at Wake. An ACC, 8-0, they've been at 9. I know their schedule has been great so far. But if you if you make Wake Clemson and they have the same schedule with those same results, where's Clemson at right now, would you say? Two. And so it's like, you know, you know, and it's like, again, that's not necessarily late lobbying for Wake. And, and, and yeah, it's just, I mean, and you can't even say Cincinnati didn't have good wins because, I mean, Notre Dame is in 10th, and it's their only loss. It was at Notre Dame. Yeah. The one thing I said, so this is going to sound strange coming from an Oregon fan. I don't think Oregon is one of the best four teams right now, but I said this on the pod before. I think it's kind of important that the committee almost overvalue that Ohio State win, or we're not going to see games like that anymore. Because if, if teams don't look and say, oh, I'm getting an undue amount of credit for going on the road to someone else's campus and getting a win, you, you're just going to see a lot more games against Norfolk State. And so if you're a college football fan and you want to see UW go to Michigan, you want to see Oregon go to Georgia next year, you, you want to see games like that, these have to be slightly overvalued or else they're just they're not going to happen anymore because they're not worth it. So I think you see the playoff committee that's made up of a lot of uh, athletic directors. I think paying homage to that, frankly, because otherwise I don't think Oregon's a top four team. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, you know, and we talked about this before Nate this you know, best four versus most deserving. I think, I think Oregon fits that latter category in terms of just that, that quality non-conference win, like you said. Well, and, and, and you get, you get to that point too of, um, you know, Ohio State might be a better team than Oregon now, but if they have the same record, if they finish with the same record and Oregon went in there and beat them, to your point, Nate, what's the point of playing these games? That, that yeah, it's a, you, you literally, you, you take the entire value of the game out if you don't do this. And I think you got a bunch of ADs on that committee. And I think they realize that. Now, do you think that 
do you think that the committee will understand that Oregon's loss comes with a pretty big asterisk with that, with that late holding call? Or do you think a loss is a loss? Every team has overcome bad calls. I mean, do you, do you think that that is a part of the conversation, was a part of this conversation? You know, we have a text thread, and Kirk Herbstreet said it on the broadcast, which I found interesting. And then you saw Felica, Chris Felica, who's his researcher, one of the main researchers at ESPN, who, who tweeted it out also. So it's clear that it's on the radar of people who, who influence these conversations, if that makes sense. Are they looking at it not as a loss? I doubt it. But it, is there some special consideration that, A, Joe Moorhead was in the hospital and they played a bad offensive game? And B, there was literally a phantom call that you, know, you got to play through bad calls, but it's literally the, the end of the game. Like there's zero seconds. They don't call the game's over. And so there is some kind of almost special consideration, I think, in that. It, I it, mean, it appears to me. Oregon's in a good spot, right? Because, you know, Michigan State, Ohio, you know, they're sandwiched by two Big Ten teams that still have to play each other, right? And so no matter what happens, you, one of those teams is going to, you know, Michigan State's going to have a kind of a late season loss uh, uh, or Ohio State's going to have a second loss. It seems like kind of they're in a pretty good position to stay safely in ensconced. Maybe not. Maybe they never move up to three, but to stay in that top four, there's no way. I, I don't see a way that Cincinnati ever leapfrogs them. Um, you know, so they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty pleasantly surprised. Um you know, I, I'm not saying they're a lock. They obviously still have to win out as well. So maybe that's the biggest thing to talk about. But I honestly expected to see them in either six or seven, depending on how they uh, rated kind of Alabama and Ohio State with those one losses. I, I, I actually, Oregon's not the most surprising to me. The most surprising on this is OU at eight and Alabama at two. Yeah. Um, in fact, this concerns me. I want to hear from you guys. If Alabama wins out and then loses a close SEC championship to Georgia, are they basically telling us that they're going to put a two-loss Alabama team in over an undefeated Cincinnati team? I mean, I so. it, it, it seems like that's the message. I, I think it's really unjust. I mean, I, I think Cincinnati should be uh, right there with Alabama, uh, you know, in that three, four, five, I just, I just, I don't understand. I mean, if you look at Alabama's wins, um, they don't really have, you know, a huge win to point to at this point. I mean, they have games upcoming, you know, they'll, they'll have Auburn and, you know, assuming they, they beat Auburn, they'll have Georgia in the SEC title game. But, um, you know, you could argue the toughest team they've played so far is, is Texas A&M and that's their loss. Um, so, uh, I mean, let's, let's maybe just kind of transition and just, you know, focus on Oregon, um, you know, and, and what, I mean, like talking about potential outcomes here, right. Um, you know, if Cincinnati went, runs the table, I don't, I don't see them leapfrogging in a, you know, a one loss Oregon, uh, you know, I think, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest threat, I think to, to your point, Nate, is, is two SEC teams, because you're going to have two SEC teams 
uh, if you're going to have two SEC teams, you're going to have at least one Big Ten team. And then it starts to get pretty tight if Oklahoma wins out, Notre Dame wins out. You know, it, it could be a tough conversation. You know, or Oregon, unfortunately, you know, if they beat Utah in a couple of weeks, you know, that means they're playing an eight and four Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. They're not going to have that signature conference title win like some of these other teams will. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, you look at, especially Oklahoma, this appears like a wait and see type ranking for them. Right. Focusing on Oregon, to your, to your point, I'm saying that Oklahoma play, I think, finishes with um, Baylor, uh, Iowa State, and um, then Oklahoma obviously State. Oklahoma State. And so you figure an opportunity for three quality wins. If they get all three of those in a convincing way, you'd have to think that they're going to be in. Plus, there, a big, it, plus a big 12 championship, big 12 championship game. Exactly. But, I mean, the way it sets up, you figure there's only going to be one Big Ten team in there, either, you know, somehow MSU kind of Michigan and Ohio state is going to work itself out. It seems like it's only going to be one of those three. Um, yeah. You have to hope that Georgia beats Alabama and that that knocks them out. And if those two things happen and Oregon runs the table, I, you'd have to think they're in, I would imagine based on this, based on what they're showing here. Um, yeah. But obviously if Oregon drops a game, it's over. I don't, I don't think there's any way back from that. So. Agreed. Tim, any other thoughts? No. I mean, I just fully expect – I expect it to be a two-loss Bama, an undefeated Georgia, a one-loss Ohio State, and somehow Oregon getting squeezed out of it. But that's just the pessimist in me. If, if a two-loss Bama team is in this playoff, I mean, I, I guess I'm not going to do anything. I'm not, probably not going to go pick it. But uh, that – that's that's really disappointing as a as a college football fan. That's where you start to feel like it's a it's a crony system, you know. You know, it's, just, it, it's an invitational at that point, right? It's just it's, it's just an invitational, right. and they were they were intending to get an invite the whole time. So, well, the only the only college football national title game I don't ever remember watching or refused to watch was a decade ago when it was Bama and LSU. Yeah. Yeah. The rematch. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's pick some games. Okay. Uh, Nate picked for you, Tim, last week. Yeah. Uh, How did you do? Um, neither of us were particularly stellar. Uh, no. In ag- in aggregate, you're plus three on conference games. I'm plus four out of conference. Um, maybe maybe uh, Tim and I will pick, and then uh, Nate, you can if we disagree, you can cast the deciding vote. So sounds, sounds good. Yeah. Whether you agree or disagree, well, you can, cool? I'd like to hear Nate's picks as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just won't factor in. The I, just, I guess tower. what I meant. I guess what I'm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Friday night game, Utah minus seven, sixty-eight uh, percent chance of winning at Stanford. I'm going Stanford. Really? Why wouldn't they? Short week, home dog. It's college football. Big win for Utah last week. Humiliating defeat. This is a game David Shaw's going to win. Wow, I, that's that's gutsy. I just, uh, I think the way Utah is running the ball, um, I I don't see the I don't see Stanford able to put up enough points against one of the better defenses in the conference. But I I respect your gutsy <laughs> pick, Tim, and I agree that. Uh, the my level of certitude after all the conference games we've picked 
so far is a little absurd. Nate? Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing on paper that should tell you that Stanford should win this game. But like, like Tim said, this is a tough spot. I mean, Utah It's a tight played, spread, right? It's a little it's seven bit and surprising. Half. It's seven and a half. It's tighter than you'd expect. But Utah played late on Saturday night. It was a big win. You know, like a, I, I think they knew how big the moment was. The, 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 the stadium was packed. It was rocking. And now they got to turn around and travel on a, on a six-day window. Like Tim said, if there was ever a spot that you were going to get pinched, this is it. So nothing on paper says yeah, Stanford should win paper. this game. But the but spot you, the spot screams Stanford. Are you, you have enough? Uh, I'll stick or, with Tim. I, I'll, I'll stick with the upset. All right. Good job, guys. All right. Cal, minus 12 is the line I saw. Uh, 75% chance of victory at Arizona. You know, Arizona's had a bunch of almost, they've, you know, they've also had those games where it just, you know, getting smoked by Colorado. It feels like, you know, are they going to win, lose close or lose big is kind (laughs) of the options. But uh, I, I think Cal keeps it rolling. I think they're, they're, um, they're playing well. I want to pick Arizona. But there is nothing, like Nate says, this is one of those paper games. There's nothing that would lead me to believe in Arizona. Cal, Cal has played, Cal mirrors UW. They're like a worse version of UW, in my opinion. Because they have a better quarterback, I guess. Don't run the ball as well. But, you know, I just feel like, so that nothing like UW. I just think this is a game for Cal. <laughs> I, I feel like I picked Arizona once this season. I feel like I gave them a solid. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, no tie, get, no tiebreaker needed. I, I got you're not Cal. Gonna, you're gonna I think, parlay. I think no, Cal okay. covers the the spread here. I think there's a bad spot for Arizona. I think Cal's got a decent decent defense that will force you know uh, Arizona, you know um, Plummer, Plummer. To, to do things that he doesn't want to do. And I think Cal's rolling to get a senior <laughs> quarterback. I, I think they're gonna. I think I'm gonna say Cal by 21. I think they're going to cover sounds, comfortably. That sounds dark. I'm going to force him to do things he doesn't want to do. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oregon, <laughs> Oregon on the field. State on the minus, field. Ten, <laughs> minus 10 and a half, uh, 67% chance of victory at Colorado. Uh, Beeves have been, you know, win loss, win loss. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm expecting the seesaw ride to continue. So, uh, but it is a road game. I, I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I'm expecting Oregon State to have enough in the tank in this one. Yeah, Colorado doesn't have much of a defense, uh, except when they play Arizona. But, uh, well, or Texas A&M, I guess. But in conference games, not much of a defense. Uh, I think – I don't trust Oregon State to go into Boulder, you know, but bounce back. They can't – I think they'll make the adjustments and be able to run the ball. I think it's a bounce back game for the Beavs. I think they win. I think they cover. Okay. Win by 14. All right. I, this isn't necessarily chronological, but I'm going to save the big one for last. Okay. Uh, so really quick, SC at Arizona State. Arizona State favored by eight. This is my this is my upset pick. It makes no sense. I'm, I'm a total SC honk in, in, yeah. in picking this. Um, you know, with ASTU's ability to run the ball and USC's 
you know, very uh, gross uh, front seven in terms of, you know, shutting down the running game. I, I think, I think it could get ugly. Um, sim- kind of similar to Notre Dame where, where it just feels like we you know cannot get stops against a very vanilla offense. Um, but you know what, uh, as, you know, as bad as ASU looked at home last week, um, I'm just, I'm just going to pick SC to kind of get, get fired up and, and you know, kind of have a, a explosive game. Maybe Jackson Dart gets gets even more uh, snaps this week, and it kind of gives them a jolt. I I think they overlooked. Uh, no, I don't think they overlooked the Cougs, but maybe just having that game back into a game week. Uh, I don't trust Arizona State. I guess I don't trust any of these teams, which is why nobody respects the Pac-12. Um, but uh, I'm gonna have to go Arizona State. Yeah, honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. I, I I don't know if Arizona State just no showed or if their program is is in, is in a bad spot. If, if the program's in a bad spot, I could see USC sneaking in on this one. If it was an aberration, then you'd think that ASU should take care of business. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give ASU credit that they don't deserve, and I'll say that they win. Okay. Uh... I, I just felt like I needed an upset pick, and that was the one I chose. Um, all right, guys, have at it. Uh, I've, I've got the Ducks in this one. Um, does anyone disagree with me? Favored by six and a half on the road at UW. The only thing I disagree with, why, why are the Huskies only six and a half point? I, why is this not 14? I don't like this at all. This is one of those stinky lines I told about Cody where it, it makes you want to put money on Oregon. And I think this game's just going to be a lot tighter than people think. It's, it's maybe some nasty weather on Saturday. Is it going to rain a little bit maybe up yeah, in Seattle? Yeah, it's going to rain next um, all week. Which, you know, it, so it could be just kind of nasty and, and wet and – just a close game that comes down to a play here or there. Oregon's defense has a tendency to to uh, to Get give those people big late some, turnovers. Well, no, well, I was going to say give people career weeks before getting the late <laughs> turnovers. So, um, yeah, I mean, people still get hyped. I think people get hyped up to play. Or like Colorado looked like they were they were ready to play. So I don't know if Oregon does that or if teams are still kind of looking at Oregon as kind of having a target. I mean, you don't really have to get up for this game rivalry game. So. I think Oregon wins, but I think it's very, I think it's close and I don't, and I don't like that stinky line. I uh, wish I could put on the uh, Homer colored glasses that Cody's wearing. <laughs> I just, I, it just shows you my thoughts about not Lake per se, but the Donovan offense. I mean, or you don't, you don't stop Oregon. You know, Oregon's going to put up points. There's no way you dub keeps, even if it's, raining Oregon can still run the ball and as Cody has alluded to many times UW's got a quote-unquote good rushing defense or no a good no. Pass, passing defense Pass. sorry yeah their run defense is atrocious I've watched every game the run defense is atrocious. Dye's gonna run for 100 yards Brown's gonna run for 60 or 70 so and six touchdowns yeah it's gonna be 
Oh, I don't think, it, sorry, I don't think die, anyone's die, scoring. I, I don't think anyone's scoring six touchdowns in that game. Yeah, with a six and a half point spread, they clearly are not expecting. I mean, it's, it seems like they're expecting a you know thirty-one to twenty-four type game. Oh boy, you love not scoring. If that, <laughs> I mean, I I could see twenty-seven twenty-one. Yeah, you know, or twenty-seven twenty. Factoring that UW likes to kick their field goals, yeah. right? I was going to say, Peyton Henry's going to get, yeah, it's going to be like 35 to like 16. Peyton Henry's going to get three field goals and <laughs> get one touchdown. I'll, right, say, we, tw- we, I'll say 27-20. All right, Nate. Uh, Tim, assuming that the Ducks win, yeah, will you then transition to rooting for the Ducks to win out to, for, for the Pac-12 to have a, a conference entrant? for the first time in five years? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect okay. any other way. Yeah. I appreciate your uh, loyalty. I, I, You know uh, what? I will say this. I, I actually root for the teams in their non-conference games. Believe it or not, I want teams to win their non-conference games. So if they make it to the playoffs. You'll be rooting for them. No, not in non-conference games. <laughs> preseason non-conference games. The bowl games, I just hope they get rolled. Okay. But I just made it in <laughs> early ones. You know. Well, listen, Actually, if we, I'll be if, honest with you. Once UW lost to Montana, I didn't care what happened the rest of the way. If we end up in that fourth <laughs> spot against Georgia, you might get your wish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I flagged a few non-conference games. <laughs> I only have one that I absolutely insist that we pick. Guys, Hugh Freeze returning to oh. the Grove. Liberty Liberty at Ole Miss. Ole Miss favored by nine and a half. I'm, oh. I'm taking Liberty. I'm, I'm taking future Washington Huskies coach Lane Kiffin. You know, he, like, you know that Hugh Freeze wants this one, right? And Ole Miss is a little banged up. It's it's a bad spot. I, I feel like Liberty's had this one uh, circled for for some time. Um, ultimately, I think Lane's a good coach, though. So I, I think Ole Miss wins because I think Lane is a good coach. A, okay. a lesser coach, this is a really bad spot. Uh tight line in the big 10 Michigan state undefeated playoff bound. Uh, last time I checked only favored by three at Purdue. Yikes. And, you know, coming off a huge win uh, over Michigan last week, this is a dangerous one. I'm picking Purdue. Uh, Tim's got Purdue. I'm, I'm going to pick Michigan state, but uh, it looks like it could be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, this is letdown city for a spot. And, I mean, Purdue has looked better, at, you know, as of late. They kind of got that early season Oregon State win. Then they kind of went, you know, uh, obviously after slaughtering UConn, they went downhill a little bit. And, and um, But, you know, came back, got that Nebraska win. But, oh, man, it's a bad spot. But, again, it's hard to imagine Michigan State losing. I'll take Michigan State. All right. Talk myself back uh, around. You guys have a. Th- I'll, I'll, I'll if I, either of you have a another game you want to throw out here, I'll uh, stop driving here. But I, I have a third one, but I, I do not need to use it. If either of you have one you want to talk about, I I have two games. Hopefully, you'll choose one of them. That was very ominous. 
Ominous. Ominous. What game? What game do you have? And I might stop you. Here's a question: Can, uh, L- can a- LSU give Bama a, a game this weekend? No. Or is, okay, no. not a chance. Okay. All right. Sorry. It's a valid question. Uh, I, I don't think I don't see it happening. Okay. Um, I had I, I had a SEC game: Auburn at AM. and favored by four and a half. Did you, you have anything else, Tim? Uh, I mean, I had that game. The other game I had was. Four and four Boise at seven and two Fresno. I think that Boise Fresno game is an interesting game. Let's do that no, one. Another one of those, like a you know, if you just look at the records, it's a stinky line, right? Yeah. Boise's but, kind of like turn it around. I think they've right. had a hard pivot in in the for, for the better. They're they're kind of they're kind of in the head of the rest of the, that conference's team. They're in their heads. You know what I mean? They're yeah. kind of like it's one of those things that they're the. The, yeah, they've been the bully for so long that it's like, yeah. Ultimately, Oregon really needs Fresno to win this game. <laughs> we 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 need those top twenty-five wins. So yeah. I'll I'll take Fresno mostly out of hope. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Boise. If only because, like you said, Nate, it's a stinky line. It's it's one of those games where you know Fresno has shown that they. Um, can be beat and this is one of those ones where i think they might uh they might uh they might lose it they're coming off a big win over san diego state president state is um hainer was pretty pedestrian three for 300 yards but not a not a great completion percentage i'm thinking hainer lights it up i got fresno how did fresno lose to hawaii did anyone see that game I- I, I don't know. And I don't know. Bizarre. Hey, well, that's, that's we'll report, no good we'll for Oregon. We'll report back next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Oregon could, could really have afforded them to win that game. <laughs> it would be a top, yeah. top 15 team. So, yeah. Guys, this is fun. Um, it'll, it'll be uh, – Nate, we'll definitely have to have you back so we can rehash, you know, the the game at Montlake and see where we stand uh, kind of the next – the next domino in the north, it'll be kind of one or two each week as we figure out who the heck's gonna uh, win the north. Ultimately, we found out Tim's not uh, Tim's not loyal to the conference when it all and, comes and, when it all and, said and done. <laughs> and and the and the Cougs are resting up, waiting for the Ducks next week. You know, the week after. So yeah, they're waiting. They're waiting in the wings. A Washington right, gauntlet, as they say. Yeah. This this has been fun, Tim. Wrap us up, man. All right. Well, thanks to our wonderful guests. Nate Salinas. I mean, co-host, right? I mean, he's co-host at this point. He's here as much as you and I are. Our, our, our third chair, Nate. For Cody Peterson, Nate, I'm Tim Kelly. This is Best Coast Football.